if I told you my city was the best And my city was a threat to the rest And my city was a threat to the rest Cleveland is my city And I love it Yeah, I love it I was born in Lacey I got it Oh, they are second down and 10 at the 24-yard line. Out they come. Shotgun. Kareem Hunt in the backfield. Two receivers left. One right. Mayfield back to pass. Looks. Going towards the end zone. And it's caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. Touchdown! He got it! He got it! The rookie from Michigan got it with 11 seconds left to go! A back shoulder throw. Unbelievable catch. Unbelievable throw. Right corner in the end zone. To Donovan Peoples Jones. Did he get his feet in? It looks like that second foot came down on the black paint, which is the Bengals logo. He did. He got him in. What is going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Feeling Dangerous Podcast. I am your host, Zach DeFranco, joined by more of a team, oh, minus Jordan, but back from COVID, COVID injury report last week. Jack, how you doing tonight, man? No, I'm doing good, dude. My COVID's gone, dude. COVID's gone? Yes, man. How was it? Explain. Uh, it, it was uh, not that bad, honestly. Like, you know, uh, dry cough and chills, and I still can't taste anything, so my life is going to suck for the next couple that, months. <laughs> that would be the absolute worst part, dude, in my opinion. Yeah, it is. I just love to eat, though, so, I mean. Well, yeah. Yeah, we all know. <laughs> All right. Shots fired. Shots fired. Let's move on from this. Also, (laughs) another great host, great company, helping out with behind the scenes a lot more than anyone knows. Tyler Johnson, how you doing tonight, man? Hey, Zach. I'm doing good. How are you doing? Doing good, bro. Ready to talk about, you know, quick little Browns news. Not really a busy week in news, but um, we do have... Some things going on. We won't maybe adding some more defensive pieces, and we got to talk about some wide receiver room expectations coming up for the 2021 season. Uh, let's get it started, Pete. Yes. How you doing, man? You uh, you you doing all right? I know you had a weird pre-show for the last hour and a half. <laughs> well, it was quite it was quite an adventure, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think there's never a dull moment between us. So. <laughs> yes, and I, I think I think maybe we should. Uh, and and maybe we should plan out what uh, what uh, highlights we're gonna get beforehand, and know yeah, and I mean, know how we're gonna to get them. <laughs> I did tell you around like twelve o'clock I was gonna send you a highlights, and then I think around five or six I finally did. But yep, you know that's how you gotta do it. You gotta throw stuff at you last minute and see how good you are. You know. Yeah, and and we gotta figure out a, <laughs> we gotta figure out a problem of why. Why we couldn't? Uh, why you guys couldn't hear anything that I was playing? But we're all good now. So, and yes. we're we're starting at nine o'clock, even though the original plan was seven o'clock. But we're all we're, but we're all good. Yeah, it's Marsh Madness over and, here, feeling dangerous podcast. And by the way, um, and by the way, those uh, that highlight that you just heard 
in the open was courtesy of the Cleveland Browns Radio Network, just so that we don't get in trouble. Thank you to the Cleveland Browns Radio Network. It wasn't that busy of a week, but but there's always stuff going on in NFL free agency. So I'm happy. Yes. I, I'm happy to be here and uh, uh, and happy to help out where I can, or be a or be a drag when I can. Either way. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, you know. <laughs> We get a mixture of both with you. But speaking of free agency, we got a lot of stuff coming out this week regarding Jadavion Clowney. He visited the Browns. I want to get some thoughts on this. I mean, do you guys still want to see this go down? I know he turned us down last year, but uh, Tyler, Jack, Pete, how do you guys feel about this? I think with uh, Clowney, he's definitely a guy it seems like that the Browns really like. Um, that This meeting seemed to be a result of just a meet and greet, um, trying to figure out how his knee was doing. Uh, they didn't get to sit down last off season when they were interested in him as well. Um, obviously, that was due to COVID protocols. I think he could be a nice uh, piece on the defense, and as long as the money's right, I'm really not against it. Uh, before, obviously, I was not a fan of this move um, last mm-hmm. last week, but really going into it more if the money's right you really can't hate a situation and at this point we just have to trust Andrew Barry and so far um he's not given us any reason not to trust him yeah I don't I don't think so at all I mean but what would be the right money to give him now I mean he kind of you know he he kind of chased more money I mean actually less money last year but that's the point like he gambled on himself and now it kind of bit him in the ass by getting injured again so I mean Jack, how do you feel? Do you, do you are you still on the clowny train along with many other fans, or do you think you know screw this guy? He turned us down last year. Let's just move on from him. Uh, I mean, I think a lot of it just has to do with the fact that he's he's a good edge rusher, and I don't want to even give. I, and I know that a lot of people are going to say, well, he's had like three sacks in two years, and he got hurt, and I understand all that. Um, but I think we got to look at it as he was in Tennessee. Tennessee had one of the worst pass rushes in the league. Um, obviously, he got hurt, so that, that kind of, you know, affects his sack numbers. I mean, he got zero sacks in eight games, so, I mean, that's also pretty bad. But I think that if the, – the fact that the Browns are still looking at him and stuff, I think that they're looking not just for productivity from him. I think they're looking specifically at his attitude and at his athleticism and things like that. They're looking at intangibles – and I think that they think that if we can get him on the line with Miles Garrett and especially put him in a rotation with a bunch of other players, especially if, like, Tack McKinley works out, I think that they yeah. see a more long-term goal. And I think it's all – obviously, it's, it's going to come down to money. Uh, and he, he, like you said, he did kind of, you know, shoot himself in the foot by having a pretty lackluster, uh, non-eventful year. Uh, and especially with the cap crunch, I mean, I think that if we could find something like – I don't know, one year, $8 million or something. Cause I mean, we offered him like, well, like 18 million last year. That's, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that we can make it work. And uh, again, I, I'm, I trust Andrew Barry that if he thinks that, that this guy can fit and like can make the defense better then go for it. Yeah. I mean, Tyler, you said he deserves more than Dunlap. So yeah, I, I think that he deserves a uh, one year, 10 million. I could see that maybe even if you made it a two year deal, um, and they could opt out after the first year or he could opt out after the first year. The thing about Clowney is he really would compliment Miles Garrett in a good way, not necessarily as far as his getting to the quarterback. I mean, he's never had more than 10 sacks in his career, mm-hmm. wherever he's been. But he is a very good um, against the run. And that's yes, very is. important with this defense that we really need. And so he would compliment Clowney very well. And he can also collapse the pocket. Like, he doesn't get a lot of sacks, 
he collapses the pocket big time. And Miles Garrett obviously would be able to get to the quarterback out of that. But you rotate Clowney, Tack McKinley, and then any defensive end you add in the draft because they will yeah. add a defensive end in the draft, whether well, that's I've at number heard, uh, 26 or later. I, I've, I've heard some conversations about maybe if we do get Clowney, that we would almost kind of want to put him at that Larry Ogunjobi position in a, as a defensive end, as a, as a run stopper. And obviously that would kind of, you know, probably benefit us more just because that's a position that he, he plays well. But at the same time, it would kind of leave us open to not having a defensive uh, end again on the other side of Miles Garrett. And obviously a lot of that comes at the risk of, well, who's going to drop to number 26? Are we just going to go best player available? Like, how do we want to approach the draft? So, I mean, I think that this, there's a lot of interesting conversations that we can have depending on, like, will do we get Shadevion? Will he go to defensive uh, tackle def- or stay defensive end? And how is that going to affect the way we draft? See, so, how I would answer that right there as far as mm-hmm. the D-tackle position. It's not that he wouldn't be open to that, but he actually has never done that in his career. Yeah, so that's, I, don't, I don't think that I don't, would be happening. I don't Cleveland. think I don't think he would do that. What I could see more happening is if you wanted to get um, Garrett Clowney and Tack McKinley on the field at the same time, you could maybe move Miles inside. And we're yeah. talking for maybe like a couple plays a game to really get Miles that matchup that might he might have against um, the lesser lot, whoever the less lineman is as far as like talent wise on the line for the opposing yeah, team. Yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So that's what I could see. I don't necessarily see Clowney lining up at D tackle, not because he couldn't. I just don't think since he's never done it, they're not going to ask him yeah. to do something he's yeah. never done. Like you said, maybe certain plays out of the game. I would I wouldn't see that being like a full time thing for Clowney. Who knows? He visited here. He no deals came out of it yet. I don't know if they're possibly working on something behind the scenes. I have no idea what's going on. But, Tyler, I know you put that you want to talk about Josina Anderson's tweets, if you want to bring that up for a second. So, Josina Anderson tweeted, it was Friday night, I believe it was late Friday night, maybe even Saturday night, um, because she was asked a question about the Browns, and she said, A.B. is looking at two players from the same team and looking at three others, then moving on to the draft. When it comes down to the two players from the same team, there's a couple theories I have. One could be Melvin Ingram and Casey Hayward. Uh, cornerback for the Chargers and um, DN from the Chargers, mm-hmm. and then Malik Hooker and Justin Houston, safety from the Colts, um, defensive end from the Colts. That would be from the same team. The other players, I think two of them, one of them's Gary on Conley, the other one is Clowney. I don't know who the third would be, but what it sounds like is AB is going to offer contracts to those players and see if he's able to get one, maybe a couple of them, and then. After he hears whether or not they want to come to Cleveland, he's going to move on to the draft. That's yeah. my interpretation. I I don't dude, know if that's necessarily is, the case, but that would make sense. I don't know. That's just smart, in my opinion. Those are all compliments for for defensive uh, end. Those, those are all really good compliments for Miles Garrett, Ingram, uh, Houston, and uh, Clowney. So I mean, so if you can land so on one of those, when did these tweets come out exactly? I would just yeah. Wondering. I don't I don't remember seeing them. This this tweet um, for Josina Anderson, it did come out. It was either Friday or Saturday night. I'll try and find exactly when it was. She was actually just asked a question um, from a Browns fan, and that's when she ended up answering it. Um, that's about all I know because okay. I, I saw it and I came across it, and I was like, hmm, that's actually kind of interesting that that uh, she said that. So I thought that I was very interesting. 
Huh? I, I, I was just wondering if, like, the timeline was more akin to her... I was getting, uh, uh, Johnson and, um... Uh... And Hill from the from the way um, was that that that's what I was just like double checking just to make sure that like the timeline wasn't that dead oh, okay. specifically about okay. getting the two players from the Rams. Mm-hmm. So so I mean if this came afterwards and that's his plan moving forward like from that point when that tweet came out then yeah I think that I, I think that the that the Hayward line would probably be way, uh, a really good thing to look into. Yeah, she has actually deleted that tweet since then. Oh what the f- oh god did she really. Yeah, that, that tweet is no longer available. I'm looking exactly when it was. Um, the closest tweet she has is two days ago now. So does that mean that it was from a bad source, or does that mean that she wasn't supposed to put it out there yet? Well, I think it wasn't. she wasn't supposed to put it out there because she yeah. has not really said much since then. Really? So that, so, yeah, so that could be interesting. I, I, do believe, I do believe that's the case, though. I mean, it would make a lot of sense. It sounds like the Browns obviously are trying to fill um, a couple more needs on the defense, especially um, yeah. the veterans. Could you imagine? Could you imagine if they got every basically need for defense in just free agency alone? Then the whole draft is just pick the best available. You Regardless know what I mean? of position, unless it's yeah. basically quarterback or running back, anything yeah. else is on the table at that point. And that's why I, I get so confused when we talk about wide receiver, which we're going to get into later, but. Why are people so against possibly looking at wide receivers at 26? Browns offense, though, the entire offense is possibly returning in 2021. What do you guys expect? Jack, we'll start with you. What do you expect out of the offense this year? Do you think they're going to make any more moves on the offense to add weapons? Or do you think we're just going to roll with what we have, build off of it, and uh, move forward? I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, you know, maybe picking up a flyer in, like, the, the third round or something. You know, just, just you know, best player. It, 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 it's always been just... You, pick, you take the best player available in the draft when you're a good team who has most of your weaknesses or most of your issues uh, figured out. And now that the Browns have a have an average serviceable defense with no glaring holes or problems, they can afford to just go best player available. And if the best player player available is a wide receiver, you just take a wide receiver. Um, mm-hmm. You know, maybe maybe you, you, you plan for the future. You plan for the fact that at some point you're going to have to let Jarvis Landry or Odo Beckham go just because of contracts, just because of how the, the, the money works out. And I think that that's just a normal thing. I think that, that you know, adding more depth to the wide receiver room, uh, just because obviously, uh, you know, players get hurt, things happen. Uh, it's always it's always good to have more depth than less. Yeah, I think I think that that the Browns should should expand into wide receiver if you know they, if a good wide receiver falls to them or if they just get a good deal or if they just want more depth. That, that really, I don't see any reason to say no. We we're fine with wide receivers. We don't need need anymore. Yeah, I think the biggest argument that like like spews from that is like people are like so set on OBJ and Jarvis that they're not really thinking like oh crap they're probably not going to be here next season like after next season like That's they don't think of the, the bit but they don't think of the business aspect of the nfl yeah. do you know what i'm saying yeah well i mean i think a lot of people obviously that they, they they really like jarvis and they really like obj yeah uh, and, like, so and, do we. and obviously they want them to stay with the browns for the rest of their careers uh and you know that as much as we want to be idealistic about a lot of that we have to consider the fact that uh, business-wise, it's just very difficult to keep like good players on your team for a long amount of time while also trying to sign all of your rookies that are also the core of your team. So, 
it's just the monetarily it's just not something that is feasible uh looking at it realistically yeah uh, so i mean yeah that, that's fine that's it, all it, it's the it's the cycle of being a fan it's just something that's going to happen yep and that's just one more thing i'm looking for ab to do is just i mean we haven't seen any I don't think we've seen any, yeah. I don't think we've seen any contract restructure at all so far from him. So no, nothing. Last off season, he did it. I still want to see him do some for a few key players. But Tyler, what do you expect from this offense? Do you do you see us being a top five offense? What kind of offensive schemes do you see us running going into this year with the same? Like obviously, Stefanski's going to keep the de- uh, defenses on their toes, not knowing what to prep for. So, what do you expect? I expect uh, the Browns, they, they'll be a top 10 offense. I don't know about top five. I think top 10 is very realistic, though, um, especially if Baker and OBJ click. That's obviously one of the biggest questions for this offense. They looked out of sync, and I think mm-hmm. that could have to do with learning a new offense last year. Um, some believe that maybe OBJ and uh, Baker just don't play well together. Uh, I, we'll find out this year if that really is the case. Uh, as far as the offense, uh, I, I think we're going to expect a lot more shotgun formation. One of Baker Mayfield's strengths is playing with an empty backfield because he can see the entire field. He can make quick reads. It's what he did at Oklahoma. And I noticed it looked like in the playoffs, the Browns were starting to do more of that. And they're playing more to Baker's strengths. They were doing that near the end of the season a lot more. Mm-hmm. And now that you have Higgins, who was not really having much of a role with the Browns until OBJ got hurt. They know Higgins can really play. I mean, Stefan, he has the trust of Stefanski. You have DPJ, Hodge. I could see them going a lot more shotgun this year um, because they're showing that trust in Baker, and you have the weapons uh, for sure because you're definitely going to add, I think, maybe a weapon or two in the draft as well. It's going to be very interesting to see what he does in the draft. But, yeah, the Browns are going to be a very solid offense this year, and a big part of it, I think, is going to come down to that OBJ and Baker chemistry. Yeah. And, and not even that, just OBJ, if he stays on the field alone, it's going to take a lot of attention off of Jarvis Landry and Higgins. And I, I, just think, I just think it would just gel more. I think the offense really clicked at the back half of the season last year. So I think it would work better. I think OBJ and uh, Baker just really haven't had a lot of time to click in a set scheme. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, to stay on that topic, though, let's discuss this wide receiver room. Uh, we got... A few names that are going to be, I think, key wide receivers uh, this season with Hodge and DPJ that, you know, many people aren't really talking about anymore because with the re-signing of Higgins coming back with Jarvis and uh, OBJ. So what do you guys expect from the wide receiver room in general just to kind of feed off of that? Like, I expect that Hodge and DPJ will be more involved. What I'm very curious to see is if DPJ is ahead of Hodge on the depth chart. Because last year, obviously, Donovan Peoples-Jones was not. Um, And there was even earlier in the season, I think it was even when we played Dallas, that Donovan Peoples-Jones was not even, was not, I mean, my my apologies, uh, Rashard Higgins was actually not even active um, for the game against Dallas. Um, And they actually had uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones active along with Hodge, OBJ, and Landry. So I think that depth chart is going to be very interesting to see. And I see them adding at least one wide receiver in the draft, um, whether that is at 26. And if Rashard Bateman 
Um, wide receiver from Minnesota slides there. Um, I think you have to take him. I've eat Elijah Moore from Miss from uh, Ole Miss. He's a very solid wide receiver as well who can really fly. So I think they're going to add a wide receiver that has that can open up the defense more like OBJ can to have an OBJ insurance. And so that's what's going to be very interesting to watch in the draft is how high they take a wide receiver. Um, Lane Atkins of the OBR even tweeted um, the other day about the Browns' interest in uh, Nico Collins, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones' teammate at Michigan, that that could be an option they go as well. So what the Browns do at wide receiver, especially in the draft, is going to, I think, be very telling of what they think about the future of the wide receiver room because the reality is it doesn't look like um, OBJ and Landry will be together um, past this season. So... Yeah, it's going to be very, very uh, fun to watch this season to see how everyone plays and really what r- rookie wide receivers are really brought to this team. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be really telling to see who AB plans to stay here long term and who's going to be gone. You know what I mean? So, I don't know. I mean, it's all going to be released this year. Jack, what do you think? Do you think OBJ is going to finish out his contract here? I mean, bottom line, he still has three years left on his contract. We're paying him all the guaranteed money, regardless right now, because he won't be healthy again until we pay him the guaranteed money. So, I mean, what, what do you what do you see happening? I know we've mentioned Jarvis a lot, but what do you truly see happening with OBJ? Is it going to be this trade deadline, or are they going to wait till next season? What do you think? Uh, I, I think that it obviously is going to be very uh, it's going to be very in, in uh, what, why can't I think of the word? It's going to be very uh, based on just how effective the offense is with OBJ back, especially because uh, we, we kind of saw like how good the offense can really be. And I think that people are expecting a, a leap. Now, I, I don't know how much uh, of a leap we should be expecting. Obviously, with OBJ, it opens up a lot of the, you know, the underneath game because of how much uh, respect OBJ deserves over the top. Uh, we, like, Baker's going to be able to find those, those, like, short options a lot easier. The run game should be stronger. Um, and, and we should be able to see, you know, Baker Mayfield's uh, deep uh, deep field accuracy actually, you know, come into play with, with mm-hmm. being able to make big plays. And obviously, if we see issues in terms of uh, those things not progressing the way that, you know, Andrew Barry and, uh, and Kevin Stefanski expect with Odell Beckham. And we see the regression that we saw, uh, you know, towards the beginning. Now, obviously, that's because of, you know, we, we talked about how uh, it could be because of, you know, just installing a new system. But again, if we have that sort of uh, that rollover of the, of the whole entire team, the rollover of the system, the rollover of the coach, and we still see that regression, we still see those issues, I think that we could see Odell Beckham move by the, the trade deadline, but I think it's, it's all very much like beholden to that uh, actually happening. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I, I mean, I think the thing is, the real question is, is what is, mo- what is easier or what, did, what do the Browns value more? Uh, when it comes to Jarvis versus OBJ, do they value the talent of OBJ and the athleticism of, OG, of OBJ and just the potential of his off- of what he can bring to the offense, or do they value the leadership and the the kind of consistency that we see out of Jarvis Landry? Yeah, I mean that, yeah. and, and no, obviously and the value as well. I mean, don't you just think that Jarvis just kind of fits the Stefanski mold a little better when it comes to being a football player? 
mean, I guess I, in, in terms of, I mean, I guess you would have to define exactly what you, what uh, what exactly uh, Stefanski wants from receivers and what exactly uh, you know you, you could like kind of say is different about OBJ and Jarvis outside of just the, their obvious physical and positional differences. But. Yeah, so. I, I was gonna I was gonna say to, to kind of answer to kind of answer that to kind of answer that question about what the Browns value more between, between those two guys. I th- I think the I think the Browns especially especially because Kevin because you got to remember Kevin Stefanski above all else is trying to. Is trying to instill a long-term culture change, yeah. yeah. And I believe, and obviously, last season was a tremendous step in that direction. But I, but I also, I also believe that just in terms of, you know, kind of, kind of a a, a desire to make the team front and center, and and to yeah. be and to be a team a team player, I I think that's more I think that's more valuable to this team as they continue to. Um, as as the, as they continue to make giant uh, giant steps, you know, to kind of obviously last season uh, helped rebuild. You know, uh, was a tremendous step uh, in the process of re- rebuilding themselves in, into you know into a team that that's not <laughs> that's definitely not a laughing stock uh, as they've been for the last twenty years. But I but I think in order to keep that going, I think they. They they value a player like Jarvis more, you know. Yeah, but I mean, Pete, to, to correct you, I wasn't laughing for the last twenty years. I was crying. Okay, I was not laughing during that stuff. I don't think I said laughable. I I'm talking about nationally. I'm yeah, saying, and that's what I'm saying. Nationally, we were a laughing stock, but yeah, us as fans, no, we right. were crying. Right, of course, of course, we weren't laughing at uh, you know at, at at winning what what was it like. Uh, four games in three years or something. It was until Freddie Kitchens took over, of course. Yeah. Um, if you don't wear brown and orange, you don't matter, right? So. Oh my God! Whoop the hell! Okay. Whoop. Let's move on. Whoop the hell! Something, yes. something I think that needs to be said about the wide receiver room. I think that as far as the right fit for the offense, you have Landry and you have Higgins that are both very similar players, and going into twenty twenty two. They're both not going to be here, just like I don't think OBJ will be here unless he's willing to take a pay cut. And so when it comes down to Landry and Higgins, I think they would keep Higgins based on he's a very similar player in what they have, and he would make less than Landry. That saves money there because, of course, like we've talked about many times on this podcast, you're going to have contract extensions you're going to have to give out in 2022 and maybe even this offseason. They're going to draft at least one wide receiver and maybe two. With those guys that they draft, not to mention bringing Higgins back, Hodge, DPJ, there's a, there's also a good chance you might not see Landry and OBJ here next year because you're going to have to create cap space. And more than likely, be paying $31 million to two wide receivers is not part of the plan going forward. Yeah, It, does, it just doesn't match an A-B way of running a football team in my opinion I mean he's, he doesn't he's, he's not going to want to pay many positions that type of money when it comes to like running back obviously he's not going to pay Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt 12 million dollars a year he's going to get one on a nice bargain deal and he's going to pay hopefully pay Nick Chubb if that's even the way he's thinking about it like so when it comes to wide receiver it's kind of like the same aspect he's not going to just 
throw out bags of money to keep you know a, a position that could be replaced easily if you find the right talent. So it's, it, it does come down to the scouting team and stuff too. But well, I'm also curious about what's going to happen with Austin Hooper because his contract is is kind of ex- extensive as well. Even though it's, I mean, it's kind of short term and they can kind of just front load a lot of it, but. Also something yeah, he would be an interesting contract to keep an eye on, too, don't you think, Tyler? Austin Hooper? I, I think he could. With the three-year deal, I don't know if he would necessarily restructure, but something that I've been thinking about since we talked about Njoku last week is what if there's this scenario where they would try, if they wanted to decide they wanted to keep Njoku, like let's, see he does pretty, let's say he does pretty good this year, mm-hmm. that they could actually sign Njoku long-term and then maybe cut bait with Austin Hooper. And keep uh, like a, like a like a Brian and Joku kind of two tight end when they want. Oh to yeah, do that. I and mean, of course they would draft another tight end, obviously, because yeah. Stefanski mm-hmm. wants tight ends. Yeah, but I could see a scenario like that as well. Just given the fact that they paid a lot of money for Hooper, and for what they paid him, he really didn't deliver. Yeah, so I, I mean he didn't. He, something him and him and Baker were good together in the red zone, but he was definitely a reliable running tight end, like run blocking tight end. Excuse me. So. I mean, he definitely brought things to the field that Njoku kind of slacked for a little while. Like, when it comes to blocking, Njoku took a lot of plays off. But I noticed he did get better towards the back half of the season. But I'm just saying, like, obviously they, they're going to bring stuff to the field that one or the other is not going to bring. Harrison Bryant, on the other hand, I just noticed that kid just wants to go out there and give 100% every play. So, I mean, I know he, he struggled with his fumble stuff that went on towards the season, but... You know, he'll he'll work through that. In my opinion, I he's the one that I like the most, and I'm going to keep my eye on is Harrison Bryant. But when it comes, to oh, I, I think I think he's going to be a very good player. The yeah. whole Hooper and Joku um, discussion, we we obviously can get into um, at a different time. But I I could definitely see a scenario now actually where Njoku does end up being here long term, and maybe you roll with Njoku and Harrison Bryant because when Njoku needs a new contract um, at the end of this season, he's going to be cheaper. I mean, unless I'm wrong on that in the tight end market, um, the price really increases. I think you could give Njoku 7 or $8 million. I mean, and that's fairly reasonable for a tight end, especially one who has a lot of um, upside like Njoku has at such a young age. So the next bit of news that we really have to get into, um, it's just going around the NFL at this point. Um, the NFL news tracker, there were a lot of uh, deals that actually happened this week. Um, and also... Um, some trades within the NFL draft that we need to discuss. Obviously, uh, the first big news here is that Dory Jackson uh, ended up signing with the Giants. Three years, $30 million. Have um, and as you can see, Jabril Peppers is really recruiting guys to New York. And Yeah, that's really what I've been see, hearing. It seems to be working. Uh, as yeah. far as getting a Dory Jackson, that's a lot of money for a guy who's been hurt. But when he's on the field, you can't argue with the results. Definitely a good signing for the Giants. Another, a young corner. So you can't really go wrong with that signing. As long as they're not in the AFC, I don't care. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Especially because we heard a lot of talk about him going to, to, to Pittsburgh. And, and then, uh, obviously, they already have too many good defensive players in Pittsburgh. I mean, they lost a lot of, on the defensive. They lost a lot, too. Their secondary is just really good. And, I, and, and if they added a Dory Jackson, it would just be another thing that we have to deal with. But now that he's in the oh. NFC East, who cares? Yep. I know I don't care. Good and he can, he can, and the Giants can pay him that money, dude. He's yeah. after what I heard that he said about coming to Cleveland. I didn't want him anymore, anyways. Listen, if you don't wear brown and orange, you don't matter. Yeah, that's the fact. What do you guys think about Stanley Watkins going to uh, the Ravens? You think that does anything for for Lamar? 
Maybe it was 2014. Yeah. I was was just about to get into that, actually. Yeah. Yeah. You see, I I, I just don't understand... Like the people's, uh, how, why the the Baltimore Ravens seem to be so slow on the uptake that they do need a wide receiver better than Hollywood Brown um, for Lamar Jackson. And I get, and I get that a lot of people are going to, to joke, oh, Lamar's a running back. Uh, who cares who his receivers are? But I mean, he does need a, a number one receiver who can get open, who can make it easier for him to, you know, scramble it out of the pocket if he, that is what he's going to do. And I just don't think Sammy Watkins is that guy. I mean, Sammy Watkins is the literal embodiment of he's uh, they had us in the first half, not going to lie, because he plays like the first eight games of the season and he's OK. And then he disappears for the rest of the season until maybe you get to the playoffs and he has a decent performance. It just doesn't seem like he's an answer to their to their questions. I mean, it, on the Chiefs, it makes perfect sense. He plays well when he plays well, because you just have Patrick Mahomes chucking the ball 70 yards down the field and whoever catches it, catches it. But like with the Ravens, where their offensive scheme is running the ball a lot. And I mean, I mean, they're not really going to uh, worry that much about uh, about double teaming Sammy Watkins over Hollywood Brown or just or Mark Andrews. So I don't understand how this really so- helps them develop their offense better, especially since they, I mean, they also got Kevin Zeitler, so their offense isn't really that much different. I, I just don't get the move. It doesn't really benefit them that much. It was what a cheater move, and I think yes. that's why they did it. That, I, that's really just... the only reason I feel like they did it, because they lost Willie Sneed. Basically, you needed someone to replace Willie Sneed. And, I mean, Watkins is not a solid, um, like, bet to do that just because, obviously, his injury history. But Willie Sneed had a lot of injury history as well. So maybe that's the thinking there. Well, I understand the thinking of, okay, we need to replace our Willie Sneed, but that doesn't really help them improve offensively uh, any more than they already were. I mean, they were already a very good offense. The problem is, is that they still have no real air threat outside of uh, Mark Andrews and Hollywood Brown, and I don't think Hollywood Brown is really, you know, uh, uh, an ankle breaker or anything. He's not gonna, he's not gonna blow you out unless you're, of course, our defense on fourth and on like third and ten or whatever. Um, I, I just don't, I just don't think that this really gives them any sort of. Uh, this, this isn't gonna. No defense is going to be like, oh crap, they have Sammy Watkins. I guess yeah. that's really what I'm saying. No, I don't and, think so at all. And Hollywood Brown, I don't think, is really even a bad player at all. The issue oh, is no, I don't a quarterback think a who just can't get him the ball consistently. Sammy Watkins, I haven't studied him enough to know. If he's a decent run blocker, that could be another reason too, because the Ravens run the ball a lot. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it could it could work on that end. It could. I want to ask you guys, what the Go hell ahead. do you think the Texans are doing? Like, Stealing what is going every on? former terrible Browns player. Like, well, yeah. It's Mitchell. not just that. I want to know. I heard they're going to hire Hugh Jackson. Oh my fuck! Please, that would be the funniest shit to ever happen. But like, I have to ask. I know that this is almost like a conspiracy theory, so this might not be the, the exact spot. Do you guys actually think that all of these, um, that all this stuff with Deshaun Watson is legitimate? I feel like Ooh, it's very, God. it's very, it's very uh, conveniently timed that all this is coming out while they're in the middle of a, of a dispute about whether or not he's going to get traded. Some of some of the details of on voices. this are very yeah. disturbing, to be yes. honest with you. Disturbing. And, I'm, and yes. I'm one who normally would be in that boat of I don't necessarily believe the accusers right away. Um, I usually like to let things play out, but in this case, this is very interesting. How often do you have 
a situation where you have this many accusers come forward with a player that's actually still playing and really just getting into the prime of his career. Yeah. I mean, we've, we've never seen this in our history as far as like a situation like this. A lot of the cases when it comes to sexual assault, as far as Kellen Winslow, Darren Sharper are, um, are pretty much the prime examples of that. Those came after their playing days. Mm-hmm. So the fact that this is coming out for Deshaun Watson during his playing days, that's what makes me think that this might really have some likes to it. And they want to get a grand jury on this. And if they didn't have a ton of um, evidence that's very accurate, they wouldn't be doing this, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, That's just it's my just, thought on it personally. No, I, no, I totally get it. I, I'm not – I don't have any sort of – I'm not thinking about it any way – one way or the other. I have no you know, dog in the race. I don't really care. Uh, obviously, I care if he actually, you know, sexually assaulted these women. Yeah. But in terms of like the impact it has on on in terms of football, I don't really care. The thing is, is that it's just, I just the the whole organization for the Texans is just such a dumpster fire right now. And there's talks about how that the guy who's bringing a lot of these charges is like the next door neighbor of the of the the Texans owner, and how like they've done stuff in the past with each other and how one of the women apparently is a, is an acquaintance it's like it's very strange stuff and no matter which way this goes this is going to be an, an absolutely god awful thing to happen to uh to, to the nfl and to the texans in particular i mean it must really suck to be a texans fan right now i mean i i genuinely i mean it must suck to be someone from texas who is in interested in sports because it's it is just a goddamn nightmare especially in houston yeah i mean the 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 rockets fall apart uh the astros are are, i'm sorry the asterisks are are a fucking goddamn (laughs) disgrace uh and now the texans just cannot i mean they 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 sign a bunch of, of of older players uh that they don't really need that don't really congeal into a real team. They had to overhaul their entire front office. Uh, their the head of football operations is a pastor. Why? Uh, I mean, it's it it is so goddamn. They had to get rid of JJ Watt, and you notice how the second they get rid of JJ Watt, suddenly the entire culture of the Houston Texans is called into question, and yeah. the entire organization falls apart. It's it it was almost poetic, honestly. Yep. Oh man. <laughs> Maybe maybe yeah. next maybe next year we'll hear uh, we'll we'll hear things about how the Texans are stealing uh, are stealing plays with trash cans, oh you know, <laughs> just just yeah? just steal just steal something from, uh, you know, uh, just steal yeah, something from from their crosstown uh, from the uh, from their, yeah, the crosstown neighbors. Yeah, their crosstown neighbors is what I was trying to say, but anyway. <laughs> Some more free agency news. Yes. Uh, Carlos Dunlap returned uh, to the Seahawks on a two year, Mm -hmm. $16.6 million deal. That's the deal that's. This could have implications uh, for a possible Clowney deal right here. This is why why I say that Clowney will get more than him. He's about five years younger, four or five years younger than Dunlap. Mm. And so I think he'll end up getting more money than that. I think AB is going to go based on production and. He's just going to give him his price, dude. I, I can know. see. I, I think they're going to find an even ground. I, I think it's more likely at this point that Clowney comes here, especially with Dunlop going to the Seahawks. Obviously, you still have Melvin Ingram and Justin Houston on the market. If one of those guys signs this week, Justin Houston could even retire. I, I've seen that. There's talk about that as well. Uh-huh. If one of those guys signs this week, though, and it's not with the Browns, I think Clowney's coming to Cleveland. That That's... 
that's just my personal prediction on that because you're getting short on options and I do believe that the goal is to add a veteran D end here and and they will do that and, and it's going to be either Clowney, Houston, or Melvin Ingram. Why why wait like this though with your Clowney? You know what I mean? I think he's just testing the waters. He's doing his due diligence. Him and his agent are doing their due diligence, making sure that they're checking. Is he getting? Do you think he's getting any other? Do you think the Titans are going to offer him something? I think he's getting. I think he's getting offers. Yeah, the Titans could always offer him something. I don't think they will, but they might. Not 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 after what they paid. Bud Dupree. I think when it comes down to Clowney, the Browns were the first team he's actually ever visited, like on a free agent visit, Mm -hmm. which I think is very important to talk about just due to the fact that obviously there is an interest here now there wasn't yeah. last offseason and even though the browns obviously wanted them Clowney didn't want the browns that was very obvious even if they could have mm-hmm. had visits i don't think Clowney would have visited hey them. no that's not true Clowney's girlfriend didn't want the browns yeah that's true Clowney's girlfriend did not want to live in cleveland let's be honest hey that hey that could definitely be it and that could be an that could be a factor in a lot of free I, I, th- I think this time around things would be different though yeah, yeah. money, clown, money this, money's gonna be talking in this this time around I feel like oh it was I think it was talking last time around too but with but with the Dunlap deal it's something definitely to monitor when it comes to Clowney because I think his money is gonna be around what Dunlap gets mm-hmm. close to it yeah mm-hmm. And the most it would be is $10 million a year. The other, um, other just, free agent news, obviously, and I thought this one was interesting because I mentioned this on last pod. As far as a guy, no one was really talking about. Malcolm Butler's going to the Cardinals. One year, $6 million. I just don't care. <laughs> Why? I, because, I mean, look, I'm not going to say that Malcolm Butler is a bad player. I'm not. But I just don't – I did. I didn't, don't, do not have any interest in Malcolm Butler. Uh, I, he's kind of – honestly, he's kind of slow. He does. He hasn't had really, like, Super Bowl MVP production. Uh, he, he had that great play a couple years ago, and I kind of haven't really been following him since then because there hasn't – it hasn't really been anything particularly noteworthy. And, I mean, if they want to assemble uh, the whole, you know, uh, 2015 God Squad in, in – in, in Arizona with AJ Green and and uh, and TJ and uh, JJ Watt. I mean, go ahead. I I think that that's great. Uh, I just don't think that it's it's going to be that impactful of a move. I mean, maybe they do it to to scar Russell Wilson, so every single time they get down to the red zone, he's freaking out. Uh, but huh. overall implications, I don't think it's, it's anything too important. See, I, I think he could have been very solid on the opposite of Denzel Ward. I, I would easily, I easily would have done one year, six million for him. I mean, that that's at that point, that's just a low risk, high reward move. When you're paying that much at some point for a free agent. That's really what it is. I mean, if you're count, if he can be great, awesome. But at that point, you're just coming in, and you just want a guy to come in and be a solid player. And I yeah. think yeah. he definitely could have provided that for the team. And more importantly, he's that veteran leader that you could have in the secondary. Didn't he have issues with Belichick and stuff though? He supposedly he did. I don't know 100 percent if that's true though. I mean, because that's a bunch of going back and forth. One, one person says one thing, one says another. So I, yeah. I don't know. I haven't been able to see if that's actually true or not. But I just think he could have been a solid addition for the team just because you still need a veteran corner, I feel like. And he could have been very solid. He brings that, obviously, that Super Bowl pedigree with him. And I think that just could have been very important for the team. Well, Jack, what were you going to say? I, I was yeah. saying, speaking of, of you know, uh, you know, secondary help in free agency, 
where, where do you guys think that we're going to see Richard uh, Sherman land? Because I haven't heard any talks about him at all. Like, any sort of, you know... Uh, well, is he still representing himself? Is he still not not him? not sure on that one? I could see, yeah. I could see the Cowboys making a play for him on a one year deal. Yeah, it just I could it see just that. to me that just makes a lot of sense. Jerry Jones likes to make a big splash, and yeah. I mean, even though the production isn't necessarily there as much, I mean Richard Sherman's still a big name, and they lost uh, one of their corners this past off season. They haven't really replaced them. They'll probably draft either J- uh, J.C. Horn or. Patrick Sertain Jr. in the draft, but mm-hmm. I definitely could see the Cowboys making a play for Richard Sherman. Other than that, maybe the Eagles. I'm not. I'm not sure. The, he won't be a Brown. You don't think so? Make, it, it really doesn't make any sense at all. For Why us. not? He's come. He's had multiple injuries in his career. He's also older. He's not as. He's not as quick as he used to be. It just doesn't sound like he'd be a good fit for this defense, even though he played in San Francisco. I've just read a lot of things that say he would not be a good fit based on what we want to run on defense. Yeah. Because he's just not very versatile of a player at this point in his yeah. career. That's true. That's true. And that and Joe Woods wants versatility. So that's why like when you see in the draft, I think they're gonna draft guys that they can move around a little bit. And that's why I do believe I've said it before that safety could be in play. Um, in the draft as well, especially early again, because of the fact he knows he can move his safeties all around the field. Yeah. You could have some of them in the slot, some of them near the line of scrimmage, even some per- pretty much playing like linebacker. I mean, they, he wants all those guys that can be versatile. And I just don't, and Sherman at this point in his career just is not that type of player. The next bit of news, it, I mean, it's news, but I kind of had a feeling this is where this was going. T.Y. Hilton um, and James White are both returning to the respective teams. Uh, T.Y. Hilton back to the Colts on a one-year $10 million contract. Uh, he'll be with Carson Wentz. I think that could be a very good partnership in Indianapolis, even though T.Y. Hilton's a little bit older. But he can be – he's a good mentor for Michael Pittman Jr. and Zach uh, Preskill out in uh, Indianapolis. And James White going back to the Patriots obviously made a lot of sense for both parties there as well. Mm. And he's going to go back to the 10 running backs that they have in New England at this point. <laughs> And and the really big news that happened this week, obviously I'm sure you guys saw this and people kept up with it. There was a lot of movement within the NFL draft this week. The 49ers trade up to pick number three in the draft. The Dolphins traded up to number six. And the Eagles moved down to 12. I didn't put every detail of the trade. Obviously yeah. there are future picks involved there. It's quite clear, though, that the 49ers are eyeing a quarterback at number yes. three. I, I, so. I was actually going to ask, do you guys think that the 49ers are going to replace uh, Jimmy Garoppolo this offseason? Is that their plan? Or do you think I, that this is this is this is securing a successor? A, yeah, successor. And then maybe going the season, uh, you know, to see like how Jimmy progresses and then probably either try to nah. just phase into, you know, just make it basically just making it like a, a bridge. For, they're, they're drafting their Patty Mahomes, bro. Yeah, there that Garoppolo will be here one more year. I don't think yeah. he's trade right away because of the fact his contract is the size that it is. Mm-hmm. When the cap goes up with the new TV deal, he'll be traded. I've seen. I don't know if you guys saw this. Peter King of the Monday Morning Quarterback reported that it looks like for Mac Jones that they're gonna be there um, to scout him pretty heavily. Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch will be there, and. 
Justin Fields, they're not sending Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch. They're going to be sending other members of the front office there. I don't know if that's really something to read into or not, but I've seen a lot of people talk about they're going to go Mac Jones at number three. And I think, personally, that'd be a mistake. But then again, in Kyle Shanahan's offense, there's a lot of different ways that he makes a quarterback succeed. Yeah. But I don't know how you pass on Justin Fields and Trey Lance to draft Mac Jones. But then again, if that's what the 49ers believe they should do, then they're going to do it. I think that in this situation, no. To give up that much, to move up to number three, when if you wanted Mac Jones, you probably just could have stayed where you are at 12. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, really, I think that what this shows us more of is just that the Dolphins are not messing around, man. They are they are getting really good value for all of their picks. I mean, they they basically moved down three spots and got a first and like swapped sevenths or something like that. I mean, they basically got a free first round pick for next round or for next year uh, without really giving anything up uh, because they didn't really need the third overall pick anyways, and they're still going to be able to get whatever player. Uh, whatever skill position player they want at number six. Uh, so, I mean, honestly, I, I'm excited to see what the Dolphins kind of like, what direction they want to go with uh, with that pick. Are they going to maybe try to shore up their receiving core, maybe try to get uh, another offensive line weapon? I don't know, maybe uh, – I mean, I, I'm, I'm really interested because the, the Dolphins look like they're headed in the right direction. As long as, as, long as Tua ends up performing the way that we believe he can – yeah. They're, the Dolphins are going to get either Jamari Chase, Devonta Smith, or Kyle Pitts. They're yeah. going to basically have their choice at number six, depending on which way Cincinnati goes. Cincinnati should be taking the top offensive lineman in the draft. Yes. If they don't, I think that's just a bad move on their part. Well, I mean, even I though honestly, they could get a top, they could get Chase and pair him yeah. with Burrow again. But then again, you need offensive linemen, and so I expect them to go line. But the Dolphins are going to get one of the top prospects when it comes to offensive talents. Yeah. This really helps out the Browns as well all because a defensive player in some way will slide. You could have quarterbacks going one through four, and really I think you're going to have quarterbacks go one through four. I mean, Trevor, Law- Trevor Lawrence is going to go one. Ma- um, Zach Wilson's going to go to the Jets at two. Number three at this point, I think Mac Jones is going to San Francisco. That number four, I think you're going to have uh, Justin Fields going to the Falcons. And then someone's going to tr- – maybe even the Carolina Panthers trade up and try and get Trey Lance, and then quarterbacks go one through five for the, maybe the first time ever. It, it's just huh. one of those things to watch, that and crazy. that would hugely benefit the Browns even more. So it's definitely something to watch. Obviously, there's a lot of movement within the NFL draft, and we're about a month away from the NFL draft obviously happening in Cleveland. So yeah. definitely yeah. some exciting times um, for the city and- of Cleveland to have this opportunity to host the draft in – really for fans to be able to attend it more importantly right. yeah and to uh hit the nail on that to kind of segue us out of here tyler do you want to talk about it, the website and your mock draft that you released man it's really good people hey. haven't checked that out yet hey well i appreciate that yeah as far as the website goes guys obviously we've had that up and running um for a short time now it's brand new and we hope that you guys uh take a visit it's the feeling dangerous podcast.com uh, right now, you can read the first ever Feeling Dangerous podcast mock draft um, that I have written. And I plan on doing one about once a week for you guys, if possible, up until the draft. And what we're going to do, we're going to go through different scenarios. We're going to have trade-down scenarios, maybe even a trade-up scenario, and um, acquiring future picks as well, something that 
little scenarios that Andrew Barry could do and just really want to provide you guys with some quality content about the draft. It's a very exciting time, but also talk about just the type of prospects that the Browns could end up getting on their team. We want to get you guys excited about this website for the fact that we also down the line are going to be launching some gear for you guys. Like we mentioned last week, uh, feeling dangerous podcast gear, but also some Browns gear for you guys. Um, We appreciate all you guys listening to us. And this is how a way we kind of want to thank you guys by developing some pretty cool gear for you guys to be able yeah. to support us. Stuff that hopefully you're going to see us all repping because we're going to send everything out to the uh, hosts and everything. And hopefully soon down the line, you know, we start segueing, of course, into live episodes or episodes that we post on YouTube, whatever it be, you know, with plans in the future. But you guys, you, got, you guys got anything else you want to add before I end it? Uh, yeah. Uh, extend Nick Chubb right now. Yes. Extend Nick Chubb. Yeah, I'd say extend extend Nick Chubb, and uh, let's hope Miles Garrett doesn't get hurt playing basketball. Oh, jeez, come on, don't even Actually, put that you know out there. You know what? You know what? Sign Miles Garrett to like a two week contract for the Cavs. Dude, we need some help. Yeah. Oh God. <laughs> hey, 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 that's true. He'd be he'd be more help at this point than Kevin Love. <laughs> true. All right. Yeah, and as someone that. as as someone who uh, as someone who attends a lot of Cavs games, I'd say you're right. Yeah, let's let's get any help we can for the Cavs. All right, Mac Wilson, Miles Garrett to the Cavs, confirm. Sounds good. All right, and with that, this was the Feeling Dangerous podcast. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Connor in the backfield on the right side of Big Ben. Motion by the tight end. McDonald down the line, left to right. And the snap goes high over the head of Big Ben. All the way back to the two, to the one. And the Browns have it in the end zone. And they dive on the ball and recover it for a touchdown. Carl Joseph's got it in the end zone. A touchdown. Not a bad start. 6 nothing Browns. Marquise Bouncy just sailed the ball over the head of Big Ben, who looked at James Conner. They raced back. Towards inside the five-yard line, it went into the end zone. B.J. Goodson and Carl Joseph were over there, and Joseph recovers it. Mayfield under center on first down and ten. Takes the ball, gives it. Hunt runs. He's to the ten. He's to the five. He buries that shoulder and drives in for a touchdown. Kareem Hunt. And the Browns lead 20 to nothing. You're on Cleveland bound. That's my town where they show you love it. They seen you around. All of my dogs up in the dog pound. Man, I love my tribe, my calves, my Browns. That's my heart. That's my soul.